We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. It is Lindsay, and today we have a special episode. This is my birthday episode. So as you're listening to this, I am recording it beforehand, but as you're listening, it's my birthday. I have no idea what Jesse has planned. Hopefully something. (laughs) There's not much we can do here in Albuquerque, but hopefully he got creative. And if not, I just want to sleep in. That's really all I want for my birthday. So I wanted to share some thoughts with you that I literally had at probably one in the morning because I stay up super late. I'm a night owl and I swear that's when I get my best ideas. But I was laying down and I was trying to go to sleep and I just kept thinking about all the things that I have learned in the past few years, especially that have really impacted and changed the way that I live my life and the way that I seek and pursue peace in the way that I deal with relationships, the way that I love and the way that I make decisions ultimately. So I wanted to share 11 lessons that I learned in my 20s that changed my life. And I hope that you are able to soak in this wisdom. As you all know, when I share things, my hope is that you will make changes, that nothing changes if nothing changes. So you will take action and hear these things and not just allow them to sit in your mind until you forget them, but to really, really act faithfully in what you hear and be intentional about it. I am not saying in any way that these 11 things are things I've perfected at all. They are realizations, but they are things that I'm actively, intentionally, mindfully working toward every single day. So I have gained a ton of this through resources, listening to people, wise women, friends who just pour in naturally and love well and are intentional with me and my friendship. I have learned these things through conviction and repentance and brokenness because some of the best lessons come from the pain, right? I mean, almost all of my best lessons have come from some sort of pain or discomfort. And I'm really thankful for those moments. That's one bonus lesson, I guess, is I'm really thankful for the hard because without the hard, I would be such a different person than I am today. And I think with that perspective, when we're in the thick of the hard, we can kind of see out of the field a little more clearly or with a little bit more hope. So with that said, I'm going to share the things that God has taught me, that he's convicted me of, that he has worked in my heart, that he has used people to show me. And I hope that it encourages you. So number one, if I live by people's praise, I will die by their criticism. Man, (laughs) if I had only known this in high school, what a world. I can't even imagine. I have always been a people pleaser. I have absolutely lived my life for the opinions and the praise of others. And you might think, nothing has changed, Lindsay. Look what you do for a living. And I would say, touche, for sure. But 
I think that I have grown so much in what I care about and how it impacts me. So while the temptation, I think will probably always be there because it's such a struggle for me to people please and to impress. You guys can hear my little barking, sorry. I don't want to live that way. I really don't. And so I want to actively fight every day against that temptation. And there is no temptation that I cannot overcome by the grace of God. I truly believe that. So I have been really intentional about being aware of why I'm doing things. I've recently started doing reels on Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I'm at living easy with Lindsay and I do a lot of fun reels with Jesse. And we honestly have such a blast. And there are some where I talk about uncomfortable things like sex and I'm really open and honest. And you would be shocked at some of the comments I've received. I actually shared one on my stories, but I had a guy tell me I needed to thicken my lips. (laughs) I would look better with thick lips. And then I had somebody tell me my parents weren't proud of me. (laughs) So there's that. But I will say, if someone said those things to me two years ago, I probably would have gotten lip filler and I probably would have stopped making reels, genuinely. I was so, so controlled by the opinions of people. And I just, I can't live by that because I literally will die. There were moments I would just cry to Jesse because I wanted the approval so badly. And then it transforms into something messy, doesn't it? Because if you're longing for that attention and that praise and that approval, you start going elsewhere to seek it. And I've told Jesse in our marriage, I've had moments where I'm just laying there and all of a sudden I'll be tempted by the thought of, I wonder if I could find somebody to give me attention. Like maybe Jesse and I are struggling or maybe it's just like a weak moment in my mind. And I'll just start wondering, I wonder if I went to the gym, could I find somebody who would be attracted to me and would give me attention? And it's a quick, by the grace of God moment where I am really big on communication, as you guys know. And I will literally go to Jesse immediately because... I know when things are in the light, the enemy loses his power over them. And when I allow them to sit in my mind, then that is when I will take action or be really unwise in some capacity. So I'll go to him and say, hey, this is crazy and I'm sorry and it's nothing personal. Or hey, maybe I've been feeling kind of lonely or whatever, but I'm having these thoughts. And People-pleasing plays into so, so much of our lives that we really cannot afford to entertain it because adultery, like I'm talking about, like this weird temptation of something that I would never think I would even think about or struggle with because I genuinely have a happy marriage, comes in anyways. We don't have control over the temptations we experience, but we do have control over how we respond to those and repentance and communication and accountability are huge in that. So with that said, if I live by people's praise, I will die by their criticism because I will never have the ability to think for myself. I will never have the ability or the heart to honor God with everything that I do because I'll be so afraid of what people think. And a lot of that, you guys, comes with, like I had mentioned, accountability. Because when we're ashamed of who we are and we're afraid to tell people about the things that we struggle with because we don't want them to think less of us, we are only doing ourselves a disservice. We literally lose the ability to see ourselves clearly because we then construct this spider web of lies or falsities or pretty pictures on Instagram to hide what's really going on instead of being held accountable by people and saying, hey, this is real stuff and it's coming in and I'm ashamed of it and I'm embarrassed of it, but I have to speak it out to you so that you can help me grow through it so that I can be a better wife, a better mom, a better friend, a better Christian. But if we live by people's praise, we're never going to do those things. We're never going to live in real community and we're going to be dictated by their opinions and by the opinions of people on the internet who have something to say. But I will say when I get those messages now, when I used to go into Jesse's office and literally cry, (laughs) I now laugh most of the time. I've gotten some pretty thick rhino skin. So I just realized I'm never going to be everyone's cup of tea. I'm not. So I always go back to these two verses. Galatians 1.10, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? 
Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So that truth, when I'm struggling, you guys know I always write down the lies and struggles that I have, and then I write truth down next to them. This is a huge one for me. I need to please man or I need to be everything to everyone. That's the lie. And next to it, I will write, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's a big statement. So I embrace that and soak that in and try to live it out. Next is 1 Thessalonians 2.4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. If I wasn't obedient to the calling that God had placed on my life in spite of my fear, I would not be here today doing what I'm doing because fear of man plays into these conversations I have with you guys. My mind is constantly reeling of, oh my gosh, is that too much? Did I go too far? Is that too intense? Am I being annoying? My brain does that and I have to fight it with that truth. It is not about me. It is about the gospel and being obedient to what God has called me to in the thick of my imperfection and my mess. I only solely want to please God who tests my heart. And if his word says he tests my heart, then he's going to work through all the kinks and the quirks and the yucky stuff that comes out even when I'm trying to share the gospel with all of you. And I am not a bold person. (laughs) I'm really not. I am an insecure person, but he has called me to share his word. And while it makes me nervous sometimes, and while I even will... I mean, avoid eye contact with people as an example when I'm sharing truth because I get like afraid of their reaction because I feel fearful of what their response will be. I have to do it anyways because I want goodness for them. I want life for them. I want love for them and freedom from bondage. And so I continue to share those things. Next, it's about people. It always has been and always will be. What am I sacrificing the present moment for? So that's something I repeat to myself often. What am I sacrificing the present moment for? Most of the time, it's for something in the future. I'm very futuristic. I'm always dreaming about the next best thing and what ifs and dreaming on Pinterest. So I have to ask myself, what am I sacrificing the present moment with my children for? Or what am I sacrificing the present moment with my husband for? And it is usually something that is not as important as my time with them. Or most importantly for my heart this past year, what am I sacrificing my time with God and in his word for? I recently did a survey on Instagram and over half of my followers said that they don't read the Bible, but 98% of them said that they are Christians. I want to call you up to more because it is not the calling that you have for your life to be lukewarm because the Lord says he spits us out if we're lukewarm and lukewarm means you're not hot. You're not cold. You're just kind of chilling as a Christian. Get in his word. He knows you inside and out. He longs to make you more like him. He wants to strengthen your walk. He wants to propel you forward to share the gospel, to love other people like he loves. How will you do that if you're not abiding in him? Scripture calls you to abide in him. And that's how he gets rid of all of the mess, the self-sabotage, the pride, the resentment, the anger, the forgiveness. You're sitting here trying to, maybe this is like a word for somebody, but You're sitting here and you're trying to get past this sin that you can't get over, this temptation that's sucking the life from your soul and that you're like, why can't I get past this? All I want is to get past this. And yet you're not in the word. You're not in prayer. You're soaking in all of this stuff from Instagram and from the world and expecting change. Only God can change your heart. Nobody else can change your heart. Nothing else in this world, no empty temptations, no empty satisfactions can satisfy you as a whole. Only Jesus can do that. When did we forget that? When did we think that we can start living out our Christian lives in a mediocre way just to get by? The heart of that is sinful. 
It really is. God loves you. He has done everything, paid the ultimate sacrifice for your life, and you're doing the bare minimum to get by. This is, again, not me condemning you. If I could just have a whole conversation, maybe I will, about the struggles I've had of getting in the Word, they're real. So this is me calling myself up while calling you up. I have had to really be mindful and intentional about doing this. But because it is so important, I am changing and sacrificing and moving things to make it happen. And I just want that for you because to live in the fullness of joy is to live in His presence. Matthew 6.34 says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And we have seen that so much this year. The days are evil and the world is getting worse and it's getting crazier. What are we sacrificing the present moment for? What are we giving up? We are not promised tomorrow. We are free from worry and free from anxiety in Him because He knows the future only. We're not intended to know what's to come. So if we just embrace and enjoy the people in front of us and we don't sacrifice the present moment for other things that don't matter and instead give the present moment our best when we are in the word, when we are with our spouses, when we are with our children, looking them in the eyes, those are the things we will always remember. Number three, life is hardest and least joyful when I'm filled with pride. Man, I have really grown to understand why the Bible repeats that God hates pride because it taints everything. In my life and the older I get, I know I'm not old, but the older I get, the more I realize how humility affects everything I do in every relationship I have. It affects my business and how I treat other people, how I lift others up who are doing the same thing as me which can be really hard for me if you all know me. You know I'm competitive and that's like a real thing that I have to battle for. But when I am seeking humility and allowing God to humble me of my pride because I don't want to live that way, I find so much more joy. And everything I feel like everything I'm gonna say leads to more joy. And we want joy. We're human beings. We want to feel happy, but it's always the opposite of what we think it's going to be. We think we're going to have joy because we receive gifts or because we have someone serve us, but usually we are more joyful and actually scientifically it's proven that we are more joyful when we give or when we serve. Proverbs 11, two says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility, there is wisdom. I know this isn't the case for everyone, but I will say that when I'm in an argument, And when we're both trying to prove ourselves right, the conversation only goes downhill. But when you're having a conversation with someone and they're being really prideful or really aggressive or really passive aggressive, but when you approach the conversation with humility in spite of how they're treating you and say, you know, I love you. I want the best for you. I don't want this for our friendship. And I'm sorry for anything that I did to hurt you. Can we talk about this with love so that we can strengthen our friendship rather than hurt it? Or can we, so that we can strengthen our marriage more than we hurt it? Can you imagine how that would change things for you? And sometimes people wouldn't respond well, but you're not responsible for how they respond to you. You're only responsible for how you act. The way that I view God is impacted by humility. The way that I treat my children is impacted by humility or lack thereof. The way that I see those and pray for those who have hurt me is impacted by my humility or lack thereof. Everything flows into it. Galatians 6.3 says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You guys, the reality of the gospel is that we're depraved. We're like sheep gone astray and we need a savior. We are led by grace, by faith, by Jesus. And with pride, we squash and squander all of those things. I just want to encourage you to seek humility. The hardest things that we face are made easier with humility. Truly, 
the moments with our spouse when we just want to prove them wrong, the moments when we want to crumble because nothing is going our way in our business. We have such high expectations of ourselves and think that we deserve the world so much. Sorry, guys, I know this is getting kind of intense. (laughs) It's just what's coming out. But we do. We think that we deserve so much and we don't deserve anything. We are nothing And we are forgiven for all of the crap and the junk and the ugh that we have done and lived out and the way that we have treated people. And yet we still think that we are the queen or king of this world and that everything revolves around us. And even if we wouldn't say that out loud, because nobody would really ever say that out loud, it's often how we live. My friend didn't call me. They didn't invite me. My husband didn't come and do this today. My boss didn't give me the affirmation that I needed. While all of these are not bad things, they're good things to have attention from your spouse or affirmation. But when it becomes the way that we live and how we worship and what we worship, then we absolutely lose sight of God. So again, life is hardest and least joyful when I'm filled with pride. Number four, this too shall pass. Man, those four words have changed a lot for me. I repeat them to myself often, just like I do with nothing changes if nothing changes. This too shall pass. I actually wrote about this and it was recently published in a magazine. I was really excited, like an actual hard copy magazine. You don't see those anymore. But I was talking about motherhood, the four words that changed my motherhood. And I see it in a negative light and a positive light. And that's what I wanted to share with motherhood. This too shall pass has helped me to get through the hardest moments, the sleep deprivation when my babies were newborns, the massively painful breastfeeding. I don't know why my experience was so rough, but it was, especially at the beginning, the discomfort with my body, the not feeling like a human until 11 a.m., all of those things I had to remember regularly, this too shall pass. I'm not intended to enjoy this. Like nobody likes disorganization of their schedule and being exhausted and feeling like they're in somebody else's body. That's not an enjoyable thing. So I had to remind myself, this too shall pass and it's okay that I don't love it. It's okay that I don't like this season. If you have littles right now or if you have a newborn or if you have teenagers and you're struggling, it is okay if you don't love this season. That does not mean that God still will not use it to grow and to strengthen your heart. This too shall pass. But when I think of the sweet moments in motherhood, this too shall pass means something different. It means there will be a last time that my kids want me to kiss them goodnight. There will be a last time that they want me to give them a bath. There will be a last time that they want me to comb their hair before they do it for themselves. Sutton just started getting himself completely ready in the mornings. I've always brushed his teeth until recently and I still like watch him to make sure he does a good job, but he wants to do it all himself. And I just realized I may never do that again, unless I have to ask him to, but it is a crazy thing to think that this too shall pass. These really sweet moments with my kids, while it's nice to give off some responsibilities, there are also moments where Sutton just wants to hold me and he just wants to hold my hand everywhere we go, or he wants to play with my hair. And those moments will pass too. And I think it makes, when we think of it that way, it makes the hard moments that we want to pass a little bit sweeter because we realize that while the bad will pass, so will the good. So let us try to cherish all of it. This can be in our marriage. There are moments in our marriage where it feels like we're drowning or where we just can't get up for air. And that will pass. If you fight through it and you seek counseling and you communicate and you pursue intimacy and you do all these things, that will pass. Also, while speaking about marriage and pursuing intimacy, the Wife Project will be launching in February, which is just for wives, to remind you that it can start with you. Even if your husband's got a whole list of issues, it can start with you. So making sure that we are pouring ourselves out in our marriage the way that God has called us to, to be kingdom-minded. That is what I I want to remind you of in the Wife Project course. So if you're not already on my email list for the Wife Project, for more information about it, go ahead and go to the link in my bio on Instagram at Living Easy with Lindsay, and you can subscribe to my mailing list and you'll get all of the information. I'm going to be going through um, intimacy. If you don't like sex, if you 
feel gross, if you struggle with shame, all of those things I'm going to talk about along with communication, loving your husband as your best friend and rebuilding that friendship, leadership and lack thereof by your husband, having an unbelieving husband, all of those things are going to be covered in the Wife Project. And I am so excited for it, you guys. I am like absolutely blown away. This is years of journaling and just heart stuff that I have worked through in my marriage that other women have poured into me that I'm going to be sharing. So don't miss out on that. Again, go to the link in my bio for email subscription so that you can be the first to know when it launches. So with that said, in my marriage, if I seek humility, it changes the tone of the conversations. The way that I view God, if I stop trying to understand him and put myself next to him in the sense that things should be this way, God, why aren't things this way? This is what I want for my life. Why aren't you doing what I want? Man, that's pride. Putting myself in the position of God is incredibly dangerous and sinful. And it really, really affects the way that I see those who have hurt me because I don't put myself in a position Again, not perfect in this, very much working through it. But the goal is I want to not view myself as someone who has not been forgiven of much. I want to remember in humility how much God's grace has been poured out upon me and how much that has changed my life. And therefore that same grace should be bestowed on other people. And we'll get to that in a little bit. So this too shall pass. You guys, friendships, hard seasons, good seasons and friendships. I miss sometimes just being able to pick up and go to lunch with friends without having to think of anything. That's just not my life anymore. I've got two little babies to take care of. I wish I would have appreciated it more. And I know that's why the Bible tells us to focus on today because we miss out on so much when we don't. Number five, The moments of growth that happen in private are oftentimes far more sanctifying, real, and permanent than those that happen in public. I don't have to say much about this one. I have just realized that my moments, for whatever reason, mostly in the shower, it's like my only time alone really in my home, that I'm just in there and I'm thinking and I'm giving myself time to think. I will just encourage everyone listening, give yourselves time to be bored. Give yourselves time to think and ponder and set resolves about what you believe and who God is in your heart and how you love him and have conversations with him. The more we fill our space, the less we learn. We can listen to all these resources, but if we don't give ourselves time to process through the things that we're learning, to talk to God about what we're learning, to resolve in our hearts, the things that we want to change, there is no growth. Give yourself time to think. And in those moments in your home and those things that come out that are super shameful and you wouldn't want anyone to see, those are the real you. So stop allowing yourself to believe that the real you is the girl you put out on Instagram or the person that you show your friends or the person that you show anyone at a big event. The person you really are is the person you are inside of your home. So who is that And are you proud of who she is? Consider that. And in the moments when it gets really hard and you're in tears in the shower or getting ready or in the kitchen, allow God to penetrate your heart with his truth and wisdom to grow you through that hard. Because those quiet moments is where I at least have learned the most. And I just wish I would have given myself more time to be alone with my thoughts and my convictions so that I could grow and know God in a closer, more intimate way. Number six, life isn't over because I'm 30. (laughs) I love this. I shared on social media recently, but I believe that society really starts to disqualify women when they hit 30 because you're not as youthful and beautiful. And society believes that if you're not beautiful, you have nothing to offer. But I will challenge that with Job 12.12 that says, wisdom is with the aged and understanding in length of days. I will not say I am old. I know that I'm not, but I know that the things that I'm sharing with you today, I would not have known to share even a year or two ago. I have grown so much in the challenges of being a mom, the challenges of a healthy marriage, the challenges of walking faithfully with Jesus and walking alongside friends who are going through a lot of junk 
those things, the experience and the length of days, as Job says, have brought wisdom. And I want more wisdom. I want to know more of who God is, what his calling is for me, what his character is like, and soak that in of him, because that is the only purpose of my life. The purpose of my life is not to be beautiful. The purpose of my life is to not be wanted and cherished and admired by society's standards, as much as sometimes I may want that to be the case. Beauty will fade. Beauty will fade. (laughs) It's just the reality of it. And the longer I try to cling to that, the more I lose out on the things that are so much more important. So I am really excited for this year honestly, and I think anyone can be. I recently saw, I think he was an Olympian and he won his first medal when he was like 32 years old. He won something else, or maybe he wrote a book when he was 40. I might be butchering this, but it's the gist. And then he started a podcast when he was 50 and it's internationally ranked. So I think we just have to stop thinking our lives are over just because we're getting older. It is such a lie. Our lives are starting. And this year, I am so excited about what's to come. I am so excited about the direction of my business. I'm so excited about this community and these people that I have in my life and about certain changes Jesse and I might be making to our location soon. If you didn't see on my stories, we may be moving to Nashville, Lord willing, kind of the Franklin area within the year. So I'm very excited about that. Again, Lord willing, who knows what can happen, but that's our plan. And I'm excited for it. And I don't feel useless just because I'm 30 and you shouldn't, if you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70, God uses everyone who is willing to be used. Number seven, this is a big one. Pray hardest for those who hurt you because refusing to forgive only hurts me. Oh, I've learned this the hard way. (laughs) I have been resentful and bitter and wanting to prove myself and all of the things that lack of forgiveness causes. And all that it has done is wreck my own heart. The person who hurt you does not care and is not affected by the fact that you have not forgiven them. Yes, maybe they miss you. Yes, maybe they want to hang out but you're the only one carrying the 100-pound bricks on your shoulders every day from choosing not to forgive somebody. When you think of them, you shudder or you cringe, you gossip about them, you give them energy and space in your life. You allow yourself to go to sleep with this bitterness that only, the Bible says, grows deeper and deeper like a root, causing you to become just like the person you don't like. And you may not be willing to admit it, but you're the only one being hurt by that. I had somebody in my life who refused to forgive me, refused for something that I had done. And it was a big deal. I, for a long time, sat in that, that they wouldn't forgive me. I felt angry sometimes. I felt sad a lot of the time. I just wanted them to say it was okay. And... The more I apologized and the more I tried to fix it and the more it wasn't fixed, the more I just had to let go. But anytime I would see that person, I could see that chip on their shoulder. I had already forgotten about the situation. I mean, this lasted years. I had forgotten about it. I moved on. I loved them anyway. I wanted the best for them, but I couldn't carry that around anymore. So I moved on. I shut it all off. I muted them from social media, everything but you could still see that anger and resentment in them. And all I could think was, you're the only one carrying this weight. This isn't my weight anymore. I've given it to God. I'm moving on. The relationship is over, unfortunately. I tried to live peaceably, but it's not working. So I'm moving on. And I had peace. I genuinely did. And they did not. So if you're holding unforgiveness, and if you are wrapped up in the pain of what someone did to you. I just want to encourage you to think like Jesus. Jesus was betrayed on the cross. He died by the hands of people who had followed him, who had loved him, or who had at least seen his life, and they did it anyways. But his teachings throughout his life were to forgive 
Forgiving does not mean that you have to forget. Forgiving does not mean that you have to have the exact same relationship, but forgiving means that you've handed it to God. You have allowed him to take hold. Justice is mine, says the Lord, it says in Romans, and you've given it to him and you have let it go. Resentment sucks your soul dry. Number eight, always go beyond what is required of you. Matthew 5, 40 through 42 says, if anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand him, basically saying they're going to sue you for your tunic, hand him your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go with him for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. All that this is saying is to love hard and to go above and beyond in your life. That even if people hurt you, like we were talking about, you go above and beyond to pray for them and to be kind. If someone asks something of you, show up for them more than they would expect you to. What bad comes of this? Honestly, there is nothing more joyful, as we said, than giving and serving. So let us go above and beyond in doing that. Let our yes be yes and do all things with excellence like we're called to. Not only are we then exemplifying the heart of Christ and doing all of the things as a light on a hill, but we are drawing others in to him. So always go beyond what is required of you. Number nine, my marriage is happiest when I communicate well or bring in others to help us sort through things. Like I talked about with the pride, it is such a bad habit for us to want to figure everything out on our own. If you are in a marriage and you're wanting to figure everything out on your own and you're struggling, it's because you're trying to figure it out on your own. That is not healthy and it's not helpful. God didn't create us to live on an island. He calls us toward fellowship and community throughout his word. You see in the book of Acts, the power of community. So if you are struggling, first and foremost, go to one another. Don't sit in your head, just like I said, when I have temptation about weird things that come up randomly, I go to my husband. Obviously, you have to gauge the temperature of the room. You have to know your spouse and what is okay to share. Sometimes when it's not okay to share something with my husband and I'm like, oh, he's not going to respond well to this one, I'll go to somebody I love who's really close to me and won't form an opinion about him. It's hard to find those people. So make sure you find those people because you don't want to turn them against your spouse when you're talking. And I always go with my heart. Hey, my heart, I'm struggling with this. Not he, he, he always does this, but this is where I'm battling. These are the temptations that are coming in. These are the thoughts and lies that I'm believing. Help walk me through this. I would probably be divorced by now if it were not for my circle of people in my life. And if you don't have those people, you guys get plugged into a church community group, ask people to coffee, put yourself out there for those relationships because they do exist and it is possible to have good friends. But they work through it with me. And then if Jesse and I are struggling, we communicate it together. And if we can't come to a legitimate, helpful resolve, we don't let things sit, you guys. Don't let things sit. If we can't come to resolve, we go to other people and we talk to them together. Don't seek counsel for the other person with someone else. Basically what I'm saying is, if you're a wife, don't go to a husband and wife and tell them all of the bad things that your husband has done. That will not come to a healthy, fruitful resolve where you both win. You both need to go together to a couple so that they can hear both sides of the story because everyone has their own side and their own perspective and talk through it or go to a marriage counselor. There's nothing to be ashamed of with marriage counseling. Jesse and I have been plenty of times. These are important things. Don't try to do the hard stuff together because marriage, motherhood, business, life, everything takes a village. So seek out that village and don't be afraid to communicate the things that you need. Number 10, people weren't created to be like me. I need to embrace differences. This is something I've learned specifically, mostly in this past year, that if, <laughs> if, if everyone lived like me, it would probably be the most chaotic, selfish, people-pleasing, hyperactive, broken world. That's me in a nutshell, <laughs> all of my mess. Oh man, I am glad my husband isn't like me. I am glad my sisters aren't like me and my best friends aren't like me. I am so thankful for the balance that they bring and the perspective that they offer. 
sometimes my friends will have dinner and they'll talk about something that I'm like, man, I don't have any interest in this whatsoever. And in that moment, I realize that I need to learn. I need to learn to care about what they care about because it's just because it's different than what I care about doesn't mean it isn't important. I want to care about those things. And we can't give space to every important topic, of course. There's things Jesse cares about where I just let him talk and don't really soak most of it in. I just listen, but I don't carry the weight of those things like he does. And I don't think we're supposed to. I think we can help ease the weight off of others about certain things just as they can ease the weight off of us. That's kind of like a realization that I just had right now. I think in those moments when some of my friends will bring things to me, I'm like, hmm, I think that you're perceiving that that's a really big issue, but as an outsider perspective, I think it's all going to be okay, you know, and I can give wisdom behind that as why I think that they're going to be fine. Like, this is what the Bible says, or this is what we've seen in history, and it's not going to affect us in this way or anything like that. And then they can come to me and I can unload on them and vent all of my struggles and frustrations. And they can say, I see what you're saying, but here's why I think that you're going to be okay. And why I don't think it's that big of a deal. I am thankful for the differences that my husband has because we are massively different people. And I spent years thinking that that was an issue. But now I have seen how much it strengthens our relationship and how much it humbles me and sanctifies me that we are really different. We were raised differently. We have different priorities, different values, and we're trying to come together as one. It's not intended to be easy. It's intended to sanctify us for the kingdom. So embrace those differences. Last one, number 11, you really are the five people you surround yourself with. And one of those five people is you. Are you the type of person you would want to hang out with? Because you talk to yourself more than you talk to anyone else all day. Are you the type of person you want to be with? Because that is who you are and who you're becoming. Do you love other people as much as you love yourself? Do you offer them the same understanding when they screw up, the same forgiveness, the same grace? Do you give them opportunity to have excuses and to fail and to fall just as you give yourself? Those are things that are so important to ask yourself. And if you are doing that, you have the opportunity to pour that out onto other people. But 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And for a long time, I perceived this as sinful people, broken people. But what I've realized is we're all sinful and we're all broken. Our sin just looks different. Bad company, in my opinion now, is company that tries to drag you down, is company that gossips about other people and bashes them. It's company that doesn't try to be better that they don't try to grow. They don't care to grow. They want to live mediocre life, not in the sense of a simple life. Simple is good. All of the gospel is about its simplicity. But it's people who call you up and call themselves up. They listen to conviction. They change bad behaviors or fight to do so. They work hard. They call you to be a better wife or husband or parent. And they challenge you. They show you how to do that. And I will say so I don't get emotional. I oof, I have genuinely some of the most incredible people in my world. Are they without fault? Absolutely not. Do we get in fights? Absolutely. Do they frustrate me? Yes. <laughs> All of those things. Are we really different? Yes, most of us. But when I say they are probably the best people I ever could have surrounded myself with from my mom, to my sister, to my sisters-in-law, to my cousin, to my best friends, like all of these people close to me make such an impact on my life and how I come home and love on my children and how I come home and love on my husband and how I approach my business and my life. I've been sharing an office with my friend Shana every Wednesday and it's been so cool. And every time I come home, I just tell Jesse, she just makes me want to be better. 
she makes me want to be more organized and disciplined and focused. And then that's in my business. And then as a mom, she makes me want to be more patient and loving and generous and kind. And then I have my best friend, Brittany, who is just a rock in my life. And she is so loyal and faithful to me and deals with my junk and like tries to understand me and figure me out when I'm feeling certain ways. And she cares so much about what I care about. Like the important things to me are so important to her. And I'm not that way. Like I kind of move along with my life and I'm really busy and I'm intentional with spending time with people, but sometimes I forget. And like, she's one who's taught me, even though she doesn't do this, she just remembers naturally because that's who she is to reach out to people. Like I put notes in my phone of certain dates that are important or certain situations that people are facing. So that the next time we talk, I can remember to go back to them about it just to be mindful. And then my sister, I mean, I know this is going to be more than five. (laughs) I can't name everyone, but my sister, Megan and my mom, like I've just, I'm thankful for my thirties. This is one of the main reasons because those relationships with them have always been different. Like it's every year is different. It just depends on what's going on in our lives. But within probably the past two years, I have grown so close to them. And I understand that like mother-daughter bond and that sister sister bond more than I ever have. And I think a lot of that is becoming a mom and appreciating all of the things that my parents did for me in a way that I didn't before. And then also just appreciating that I have my sister and we get to raise babies together. But they are so supportive of everything. In the moments when things are hard, the first text back is, let me come to your house or can you drop off the kids so you can have time alone? Or do you and Jesse need a date night? Just jumping up to help. And I know not everyone has that. And sometimes you have that in somebody completely different. Maybe your in-laws. My in-laws have been amazing. My sisters-in-law are incredible women who have literally changed my world for the better. And I just, I mean, I could list off so many people. And my friend, Jen, who is just the epitome of an encourager. I was actually having a hard time a few weeks ago where I was just in this crazy state of depression. I went over to, I asked if she was available and with like two minutes notice, I was by her house and she said, come, just come and we'll hang out. And she was like, let me make you tea. So she made me tea. And then she said, do you want to go shop? Like, let's just get out. Cause she knew I was heavy. She could feel the weight of everything I was carrying. And she took me shopping and we went to home goods and I love home goods, especially, I don't know what it is, but I love shopping in the Christmas air. Like when it's cold and amazing outside. I just love that. But, and we went to Home Goods at night and we just shopped around and bought random stuff. And then she was like, let's go get food. And I kept saying, it's okay. You could take me home. You know, I, I'm, you have a family. Like, <laughs> get back to your family. I have a family. I should probably get back to my family. And she was like, our families are fine, Lynn's. Like, you need this. So we went to get Thai food, which is my new favorite. And it took them, they said, 45 minutes to get it because of COVID. And so she was like, I said, it's okay. Like, I'll just go get my car and then come pick it up. And she said, no, let's go look at Christmas lights. So she drove me around looking at Christmas lights and just let me talk and talk and talk. And can I say, when I came home, I literally was like just in tears with Jesse of how thankful I was for that moment because I felt like a new person coming home. Like I felt literally like a thousand pounds had been lifted off my shoulders, just having someone care, just having someone listen, just having someone like distract me and do fun things with and feel human. You know, we all need that. And if nobody is that to you, be that to someone else, because that is what, like I said, those people, these five people, 10 people, I guess for me, 15 maybe, who are in my life. And I'm so thankful for that. I know that's not the case for everyone. I don't take it for granted. But that those people in my life are that way. And it only makes me want to be better. I don't feel like I deserve any of these people in my world. I just have the most incredible surrounding. And as we talk about moving, like, man, it's going to be brutal. It's such a bittersweet feeling to me. But I'm so thankful that I have the ability to even be hurt by something like that because God has blessed me so abundantly with the people in my life. And I don't doubt for a minute that all these people I've named and my friend Morgan and Emily and and I just feel like if I 
continue to find people like this. And I continue to try to be a good friend, even though I will fail them and things will not always be perfect, that I will only continue to grow into a more kind and godly and loving woman. Because how can you not when you're surrounded by the best people? I am just really, really thankful. And I challenge you and encourage you to find those people that if you find people who encourage bad behavior, encourage sinful behavior, who bash your husband with you, who don't try to encourage being in the word and and in church, not in a legalistic action sort of way, but in a loving way that they want the best for you and you do the same for them. Because remember, you're with yourself the most. You are your number one person you surround yourself with. So who are you and are you the type of person that you would want to hang out with? So, wow. I tell you guys this sometimes, but I feel this like weight when I have these types of conversations. It's like a good weight, like Holy Spirit kind of weight. (laughs) I'm really excited about this episode. I'm really happy with it actually, because I just feel like God was in it and before it and through it. And that is all that I ever want is for me to be put aside and for God to be at the forefront and in the center. And sometimes in my realm, it's not easy to do that. I have to constantly refocus. But when I have conversations like this, that is what I feel. And I'm so thankful for those moments. So with all that said, I am out celebrating my birthday right now. (laughs) As you listen, probably. I mean, unless you listen late, if you don't listen on Mondays. But... I hope you have the best day. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas with your family, no matter how small it was, no matter how many or few presents you had under the tree, that there was so much joy. If you enjoyed this episode or if you enjoy the podcast, please do take a second to share on social media and tag at Living Easy with Lindsay or share with a friend or family member who could use some wisdom. I always hope that these types of conversations will go to women in their 20s or even men in their 20s because what a blessing it is to learn from those who are older and have more experience just as I continue to learn from women who are 35, 40, 45, 50. And I just want to encourage you to be that person to the younger people in your life as well. But I love you all. Thanks for listening to me ramble on and on and on and on (laughs) all the time. I'm so thankful for you guys. And I will just say the people I surround myself with includes you and the messages I receive and the conversations that I have, especially this past week, we have just been like talking up a storm, you guys and myself. And I'm really, really, really thankful for you. And I've said it before, but you make my days a lot better. So I love you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.